This is the Making of Dharma Land podcast. This is episode four, and I'm your host, Brian Chittister. And today we'll be talking about the third track on the Dharma Land album entitled Mana. First, I'll give a little bit of background on the recording of the song, and then we'll kind of go back and talk a little bit more about the genesis of it, and then get back into some of maybe the creative decisions. The backing track was and the track itself was primarily recorded in Sweden by Ixtihule. And then Kaja Bonet, who is the guest vocalist, recorded her vocals in Long Beach, California. And then later, Joe Ramersa, the engineer and someone who worked with Abi for a longer period than anyone else in the 1980s and 90s, uh, went back and did some overdubs in L.A. Also, an artist named Orange Crate Art, whose real name is uh, Tobias Bernsen, created the intro of Mana in Sweden in his home studio at, at my behest. And then there is a, a, an Aztec death whistle, <laughs> which is actually kind of just this sort of breathing, heavy breathing sound that you hear throughout the track that was done by Joanne Lazaro, who is a Native American flutist, and she plays on a number of solos and, and bit parts throughout the album. Originally, the song was copyrighted in 1961 by Abi, and the melody is derivative or related to the later Abi song entitled Overcomers of the World, which he recorded with John Harris and a singer named Myrna Khan in September 1963. He later re-recorded the melody as an instrumental in 1966 with uh, Abi himself on the bamboo flute in a recording entitled The Call, which is still unreleased. Overcomers of the World was released in 2016 on a compilation of rare recordings called Wild Boy. Mana for the Dharmaland album was arranged by Henrik Magnusson of Ixtihule, and the idea for having Kaja Bonet sing on it came originally from my filmmaking partner in the Abi documentary, John Weiner, who heard her song Joy played on the BBC sometime in the summer fall of 2018 and he sent me a link and I kind of immediately recognized that her range was pretty close to Myrna Khan on the Overcomers of the World recording and I sent the link of Joy that John had sent me to John Harris who had sang Overcomers with Myrna it's getting a little complicated here but anyway John Harris wrote me back and said that I basically had to get her to sing on Mana and on the Dharmaland album. And so I really put a lot of effort into convincing her that this was going to be a good project. And without any demos or anything at that point to really pull her in, it wasn't easy. She agreed and she was going to come to the sessions with Ixtihuele in L.A. in the summer of 2019, and she missed that. And then when they went back to Sweden, there was discussion, you know, should we still try to get her? Should we still try to have somebody else record her, should we work with her remotely because we were running up against deadlines and, and whatnot and the band wasn't going to come back to work with her. And then she was actually almost replaced by Xenia Creason, who sings the lead sort of growling moaning vocal on The Lion and the Fox and also sings as part of the, the female trio throughout this album. But John Weiner and I saw Kaja in like the fall of 2019 here uh, live in Brooklyn and we kind of like almost stalked her and 
and finally got her to agree to do the vocals and she went in and, and she did them and, and they were really ethereal and beautiful and kind of everything that we had hoped for. There was actually a version that she did where she sort of double tracked the vocals for the third and final chorus, but it, we didn't use it. It just, it was beautiful almost like as a pop single, but it didn't work quite as well in the context of the album and the overall production. The original track came back from Sweden to me and it sounded very slinky and sexy and intimate. Um, I loved the arrangement that Henrik put together. I loved the flutes especially and I love the drums and the brushes that, that Johan used. And so there was a really great mood that you didn't get on either of Abby's versions of this melody, Overcomers or The Call. And I wanted to kind of maintain that mood when we went back to work through it and mix it a little bit more. Almost immediately what it conjured was this very moonlit, moody mood that you hear in the Eden's Island track, Full Moon. When I went back to work on the mix again in LA with Joe Vermersa, I tried to open it up and make it feel a little bit more sparse and minimal and deserty. And then this became kind of the impetus for opening up the entire mix on the album. And before that, Ixta had basically said that they wanted the album to sound like 1961 and to have this kind of very limited range. But since we didn't record it in a 1961 studio or we didn't record it hardly at all in analog, it seemed to me that trying to create this kind of compressed 1961 sound using digital technology was kind of, they were going for authenticity, but it was more ersatz than just keeping it open and contemporary. And I think by opening it up, it actually made the album less retro, but I don't think that necessarily meant that it was crassly contemporary either the modern aspect of opening the mix up the way it is now plays a conceptual role in allowing you to feel the space of Abi's music and the space of his his ideas and the concept of the of the album as a whole the sound effects at the opening and the closing of mana were later reappropriated at the beginning of the, the, the last song on the album, Vuelto. So I don't know if anybody caught that. Again, as I said, the, the track became kind of a desert version of the lagoon-like Eden's Island song, Full Moon, which is, you know, probably one of Abby's best known and beloved songs after Nature Boy. I had Orange Crate Art create a moody intro that kind of reference Eden's Island, but Whereas that was a poetry song and really the music was kind of like created this ambient or atmospheric bed for Eden to read. This one used that ambient kind of sparse moody feel to actually contain more of an abstract idea where the vocals and the track itself conjure imagery rather than poetry. And so that was a kind of a unique and cool challenge was to create something that felt like it was rooted in the arrangement style of Eden's Island, but applied to a completely different way of creating the music. The word manna comes from the biblical story of the children of Israel escaping 
slavery in Egypt and being led by Moses into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights where at the end of that period they are kind of starving and desperate and you know when they've reached the end of the rope and and are starting to to take a more fatalist attitude that's when the Lord or the God of the sky rains bread down from heaven on them and, and feeds the children of Israel and gives them strength to keep going and I think Abi keeps that kind of archetypal feeling to it intact by having this sort of very sparse minor key opening which does in a way feel like you are getting worn out getting hungry getting feeling close to despair and then for some reason he wrote this kind of middle piece where it it turns you know major key and I love how Henrik used the arrangement to create this moment where it feels like something miraculous happens, like the, the universe reaches out and takes care of us in our moments of despair, in our moments of loneliness, in our moments of, of fear and, and hunger. In terms of Abi's personal arc, you know, his idea of escaping the rat race, it, it sort of personalizes the, the, the communal aspect of, I guess, the original tale and you know his experience of loneliness and then exuberance as the universe takes care of him and the strength to carry on is kind of also metaphorical of the dharma land concept in general which is that you know once you leave all of that behind and you enter in on this journey nature and the experience of wandering and the experience of you know being out under the stars and seeking something outside of the everyday and the conventional and the rat race is actually kind of a path to awakening, a path to wisdom. The Buddhist concept of expanded consciousness, so it sort of crystallizes in an abstract instrumental way a lot of the thoughts and I recognize that sort of in stages, first encountering the music and and starting to meditate myself on the idea of mana being the basis of a song and then demoing it and then hearing the arrangements and then going back and having Kaja added and then you know going through and having other parts added and remixing it and opening it up I mean it would it really became kind of a journey in and of itself this song and I like the archetypal and epic element of it and how Abi saw his life in these kind of mythological terms and then created his artistic cosmology from that. And I just wanted to mention one last thing, which was the music video that John Weiner and I directed for Mana and how the concept of that actually came from two things. One was a drawing on the cover of a piece of sheet music for Nature Boy of like a wandering hobo with like cut off capri pants and no shirt and a gunny sack over his shoulder kind of walking with his back from the viewer into like the loneliness of the desert and then there was this little interview from 1958 of this story that Abi told to an interviewer of how when he was a young man and he was hopping freight trains and you know wandering across America hitchhiking and whatnot he got to Miami and he encountered this magic woman who basically introduced him to Eastern mysticism and theosophy and healthy living. And so his hobo lifestyle 
which he claims had brought him pretty close to death and he was very unhealthy at that time um, and was something that, that maybe most of society would have looked down on, at that point sort of becomes like a badge of honor for him. He really embraces the sadhu lifestyle. He embraces kind of the wandering beggar and the itinerant musician and he starts to create his own personal mythology first with the Nature Boy Suite and later with Eden's Island and Dharmaland and finally with the Scripture of the Golden Age Project which he worked on at the end of his life. It starts at this moment that he talks about where he was close to death and somebody came and opened his eyes and helped him you know experience a sense of enlightenment and I think in a way this song and its its conceptual aspect and, and its lineage back to biblical story but told abstractly made it so that when we approached the video we had this kind of magic woman who appears to the Abi figure in the music video as he's worn out and close to death and she picks him up off the ground and opens the gates of Dharmaland to him and so <laughs> in a way uh, the, the whole process from beginning to end for this song from even from like the conceptual stage and the demo stage to the recording of it and overdubs and mixing all the way to the music video it was a very expansive process for me and I think for everybody involved that kind of culminated in it being one of the more definitive tracks on the Dharmaland album. All right, stay tuned for the next episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>